Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is November the 6th, and our chapter for today is 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Now, of course, the chapter begins as far as the context in verse 17 of chapter 2. But we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again. But listen to this. Satan hindered us. For what is our hope, our expectancy, or joy, or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at His coming? For you are our glory and joy. Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone, and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions, that is, their persecution. They were being crushed. For you yourselves know that we were appointed unto this. We are. We were, we are, we shall be. In this world, we shall have, we will have tribulation. But Jesus said, be of good courage. I have overcome the world. We need to be joyful. We need to be at peace, knowing that these things are accomplished throughout the world in the name of Jesus. If we bear the name of Jesus and share in his victory, we must also share in his death because that is what is coming. And so the apostle shares with them just how much that he desires to be with them and that they would not be shaken by these crushings that they're going through. For you know yourselves that we are appointed unto this. For in fact, we told you beforehand, this is verse four. For in fact, we told you beforehand that when we were with you, that you would suffer crushing, persecution, tribulation, just as it happened, and you know, for this reason, when I could no longer endure, I sent to know your faith. That is to see if you were still walking established in the faith or whether the tempter had tempted you and our labor might be ineffective in vain. But now Timothy's come to us from you and brought us good news of your faith and love that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us as we also to see you. Paul was thrilled to death that they had not forgotten about him, that his labor was not ineffective. Therefore, brethren, in all our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. Paul said, look, my life is about Jesus. My life is about serving Jesus. My life is about sharing Jesus. And my whole goal is for disciples to be made that will stand the test of persecution. So he says, now may our God and Father himself, our Lord Jesus Christ, direct our way to you. 
And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming, the parousia, of our Lord Jesus Christ with all of his saints. Now, the parousia is, according to Matthew 24, that time after the tribulation when Jesus returns to earth. This is not the rapture. That's a totally different event. Remember, the parousia, the parousia, is a movement of heaven to earth at the end of the great tribulation, Matthew 24 and 25. And throughout the Old Testament, it's called the day of the Lord by the ancient prophets. And I'm going to deal with that in a series of podcasts that I'm trying to find time to put together. And so he says, this is when he will come with his saints. The rapture is when he comes for his saints. The rapture is a movement of earth toward heaven. We meet Jesus in the air that we'll see in the next chapter of First Thessalonians chapter 4. But the parousia, the parousia, is indeed the coming of Jesus, his manifestation, his making plain. It's something that every eye will see. It's something that all of the Jews will see. It's something all the Gentiles will see. The world will see him because their focus will be on Jerusalem as they're coming to destroy it. And that's where all the cameras will be. That's where everything will happen. Every eye will see him. And then the Bible says, every knee shall bow. And the world leaders will be gathered together in the valley of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat. That is the valley of God's judgment. It's called the Kidron Valley. It's called the Eastern Valley. Many of you have walked with me through that valley. That's where the Garden of Gethsemane is. Many of you have walked with me from the Garden of Gethsemane over to Mount Zion, which is the city of David. And we've walked up and gone in. It's where the Gihon Springs burst forth out of the earth. Remember Hezekiah took that tunnel. All of that is part of that valley of Jehoshaphat, and that's where the world leaders will be gathered by the Lord himself at the close of the Great Tribulation. More on that for later. I want to go back to what Paul said in verses 17 and following of chapter 2, and then we'll be done for today. Paul said, but we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short time in presence, but not in our heart, endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. Now, this is the adversary, Satan. He's called Diabolos. Dia means through. When you measure something through the center of it, that's diametric. And that is diameter. That's the measurement through something. However, this is in relation to Satan. Diabolos is not diametric. It's dia. And then the term balo. Balo, balos here, means to throw as into cast like a spear or a javelin. And to thrust someone through like Saul tried to do with David, you remember, in the palace, in his home when they were eating. He tried to cast a spear through him and kill him. And it went into the wall. What I'm telling you is this. Satan is a slanderer. It's usually translated slanderer. 
You see, that's his nature. He is a slanderer. He wants to ruin people. That's why Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief, the klepto, comes not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The word is ruin. It's the same word that's used for the ruining of a wineskin. Jesus said you don't put new wine into old wineskins lest it be marred. That's what the King James says in many English versions. It's the word to be destroyed. It will be ruined. You see, the devil wants to ruin your life, sir. He wants to ruin your life, ma'am. He wants to ruin your family. He wants to ruin your marriage. He wants to ruin your grandchildren. He wants to destroy lives. Why? Because his name is Apollyon. Look at Revelation. His name is Apollyon. That's Apollumi. Apollumi is the word for destroy. He's the destroyer. And the word Apollyon is just the Greek transliteration of the word Apollumi with a particular ending on it. And so what I'm telling you is Satan is a hinderer. He's a destroyer. He wants to ruin your life. We've got to quit playing games and acting like that we're not in a spiritual battle. We're in a spiritual battle every moment of our lives. Our enemy is always roaring about seeking whom he may devour. He wants to eat you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to maim you. He wants to cripple you. He wants to throw in among the church hand grenades. Yes, that's right, grenades, which were designed primarily to maim so that one would be hurt or two would be hurt or three would be hurt, and it'd take a dozen to carry them out. That way they're out of the battle. This happens all the time. And it's in spiritual warfare that I'm talking about. And so the question is, can Satan hinder, can he hinder God's working in our lives? Well, of course he can. There are several places in the Bible where it is crystal clear that this happened. It happens in relation to prayer. In Daniel chapter 9 and Daniel chapter 10, Daniel has read the words of God and gotten discernment about the 70 years of captivity. Now, you can read about this in Daniel chapter 9. In Daniel chapter 9 and verse 1, in the year, first year of King Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the lineage of the Medes, who was the king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books of the number of years specified by the word of the Lord. That's the personal name of God. Hashem is what the Jews say, because no one knows how to pronounce his name. It was lost, and there's reasons for that, and I've talked about it in the past. And he understood this through Jeremiah the prophet. You see, when we read the word of God, God gives us answers. You don't need to be listening to some talking head on Fox figure out what's going on. Oh, yes, you can get daily details from there. But if you want the schematic, if you want the blueprint of where we are and where we're going and what's going to happen, get into the word of God and read it. And so Daniel, once he found out that This 70 years of captivity was for discipline because God's people had obviously forsaken him. And he said, you've not even kept the appointed days. You've not kept the sabbatical year. And I'm going to let the land have rest. If you don't do it, I will. And you'll be out of the land. And so that's exactly what happened. That is a lot of sabbatical years to make up. And as a matter of fact, 490, I believe, just off the top of my head as I've multiplied that out. And so this is what Daniel says. He said, I set my face toward God to pray and to seek his face. And he cried out to God to have mercy upon a repentant people. So the scripture says, 
in verse 20 of chapter 9 of Daniel, that while I was speaking, praying, and confessing my sin, the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my supplication before the Lord for the holy mountain of God, yes, while I was speaking in prayer, a man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening offering. And he informed me and talked with me and said, Oh, Daniel, I have now come forth to give you skill and understanding. Now listen to this in verse 23. At the beginning of your supplications, the command went out, and I have come to tell you, for you're greatly beloved of the Lord and consider this matter. So he goes into all that God had said to him. And then again, Daniel said in chapter 10, in verse 10, suddenly, A hand touched me because Daniel saw this vision of what was going on on the earth and what was to come. And he says, oh, Daniel, greatly beloved, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright for I have now been sent to you. And so Daniel stood up and all of these things began to come to him. In verse 12, he said, then he said to me, Daniel, do not fear. For from the first day you set your heart to understand, that is, when he read the prophet Jeremiah, and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have become because your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia, he's not talking about some earthly figure here. He's talking about the territorial spirit, the national spirit that is in charge, the demonic spirit, an evil angel, withstood him 21 days, three weeks. And behold, Michael... One of the chief princes, as a matter of fact, he's called the Archangelos, the chief angel, the chief angel, definite article, came to help me for I had been left there alone with the kings of Persia. So he couldn't even get to Daniel because of the hindrance of spiritual warfare. And so look at what he says in verse 18. Then again, one having the likeness of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, oh, man. Greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be to you. Be strong. Yes, be strong. Boy, that's a word for us today. And so when he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak for you have strengthened me. Then he said, do you know that I have come to you and now I must return to fight this prince of Persia. The line had been drawn. The battle line had been drawn and it was in Persia, which changed its name between World War II and World War One to Iran. And he goes on to say, look, no one is upholding me except Michael, your prince. That's, he's not talking to Daniel as an individual. He's talking about Michael, who is the chief prince. And even though he's the archangel, he is in charge of the nation of Israel. Let me just say to you very quickly, because I know time's getting along. Michael, that same archangel, and Gabriel, that same messenger that spoke with Daniel, They're still in existence today, and they're fighting today in the heavenlies with the same princes that were there during the days of Daniel. And they are there now. They will be during the battle of Gog and Magog. And then at the end of the tribulation period, the same Gog and Magog will come after a thousand years when Satan is released from the abyss, from the bottomless pit. And the Bible says that he will deceive as the sands of the sea. Why? Because it's in our very sinful nature to be deceived. And those that live on the earth that have been born 
born during the tribulation period, during the binding of Satan and demons. They have a sin nature, but there's no one there to tempt them. There's no one there to lead them astray. And every man must be tested. That's why Adam was tested. And so at the end of a thousand years, an entire millennium, now listen to this, of peace, of prosperity, of health. The Bible says that a man will die, and if he dies at a hundred during the millennium, he will be considered a child. That's how wonderful it's going to be. It's going to be the days as it was in the antediluvian, in the days before the flood, when men lived to long days and years. But this is going to happen. And then Satan will be released with the demons. They will be tested And the Bible says as many as the sands of the sea will turn against Messiah Jesus, but it'll all be over. There won't be any more war. There's not going to be a fight. They're going to come up against Jesus, and he's going to say, that's all. It's closing time. And then there will be a new heaven and new earth. But I'll talk about that in the podcast ahead. I just want you to understand that we are in a spiritual battle. And the demons of hell want to destroy your life. And so keep yourself from anything that is occultish, that is dark. Stay away from these demonic things that are going on. Keep your life away from pornography and all the things that are devilish. All of this sex traffic and all that's going on, that is from the pit of hell itself. And you need to back away from it. Stay away from it. Stay in the Word of God, and God will give you discernment. May God bless you as you walk on the way. This is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at tonycrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCRISP.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.